welcome back to the podcast. I'm Glenn Hawke and great to bring you another episode of Blue Sox Banter and great this week to be talking about winning games of baseball. Of course, it was a tough relaunch to the season a couple of weeks ago when we headed up to Lismore to take on the Canberra Cavalry, but fabulous to see the boys turn things around last weekend down there at the nation's capital, once again taking on the Cavs, this time on their home diamond. And uh, it looked like the baseball gods were going to conspire against us once again. Plenty of rain in Canberra over Thursday and Friday, saw washouts those two days. Series condensed down to two two days, two double headers, and it was the Sydney Blue Sox that triumphed by three games to one. It was the Canberra Cavaliers who won the first game of the series, eight runs to four, but the Blue Sox bounced back on game number two, taking that 7-2, and then doubleheader number two on the Sunday was all the way the Sydney Blue Sox. 3-1 in game number one, and it was nine runs to three in that uh, fourth game to wrap up the series by three games to one. Well, this week on the podcast, I catch up with field manager Shane Barclay, and we have a look back at the series against the Canberra Cavalry, see where that turnaround came and uh, look at the performances right across the diamond. Also, we catch up with one of the standout performers, well, from the season so far, but particularly down there in Canberra last week, Carlos Cortez, the second baseman and sometimes outfielder, sometimes first baseman. In fact, he's sometimes a left-hander, sometimes a right-hander. We'll talk to him about that as well. But his stick was on fire last weekend. Seven, uh, seven from 14, including a home run, laced it over the right field fence. He's now 14 from 35. Fantastic uh, series with all season with the bat so far. I hope we can see a few more of those hits this weekend uh, when we take on. Well, who knows? We'll get to that a little bit later on. But first, let's catch up with Shane Barclay and Carlos Cortez here on Blue Sox Banter. Well, Shane, thanks for joining us. Um, a week is a long time in baseball at the moment. Uh, Lismore 0-4. The team turned it around in uh, Canberra this weekend, 3-1. and one. Uh, You must be delighted with the turnaround. Yeah, look, I think um, I think the effort's been there all along. Obviously, the first two games in Lismore, um, we, we appeared a bit underdone, but I think we were pretty disappointed in the results in the, in the second two games of the series. Um, I think you got to tip your hat to uh, Galley and uh, Myra Mando. They both threw really, uh, really well up there, and uh, and we just didn't get the job done in the second two games. But this week was a different week with a bit more baseball under our belt. We fought as hard as we did the week before, but we had some quality at bats, and they had Ken online on the weekend as well. And I thought all four games we 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 played well and we worked pitch as well and. Gally, uh, Gally, Morimando and Kent were sensational again. And, yeah, we, we, we were fantastic the way we uh, just battled in and got into their pen eventually and, uh, and won a couple of games. And, and certainly our pitching, uh, uh, our pitching was above and beyond on the weekend. We, we really shut, uh, we really controlled the games well and, and, and our uh, closers certainly shut them down. When you went into the series against Canberra down there last weekend, what was the, I suppose, the adjustments that you see you saw needed to be made if you're going to make um, a difference in that series? Actually, I, I didn't think there was a lot except that we we just need to keep on believing in ourselves and doing what we did we're doing. And um, look, this is a really really good good ball club. They they really try hard. You know, they should make should make the state proud because. Uh, they, they never give up. They play for each other, and that was never in question. And probably Friday night after, you know, we got down there and it's been a horrible season, and then 
where Thursday, you know, we get rained out and the rain never stopped. And we took a lot of BP in, in the cages that night. And then Friday, uh, the same thing happened. We, we had a pretty good idea it was off. And we got down there. And to give you an idea, we started taking BP at 5.10 and it hadn't been called off. It was probably called off about 25 past 5. Um, I think they closed the doors behind us at a quarter past 7. So the work ethic is just first class uh, from the whole squad. Um, couldn't ask any more of them. There's one thing you said to us, we chatted on the podcast at the start of this season, was um, the one thing that you saw coming into this year was just a, a different attitude, a different um, a different looking ball club this year. I suppose it's moments like that, that you see on the weekend, that preparation, despite the fact that you may not have been getting on the ballpark, that preparation, the desire to keep going and to keep driving is what um, is one of the differences this year. Yeah, look, it, it is. And even through the whole lot of that COVID, um, uh, that what was it, 30-odd days we were we were down, um, the attitude never changed, with probably an exception of, you know, we, we discussed it the Tuesday before the Wednesday, the Lismore announcement was made, so a week out. I think that Tuesday night, there was an air of inevitability that we weren't going to play. Um that was one of our worst sessions, um, but you could well and truly expect that that was going to be the case. Uh, and then by Thursday, again, we were right back into it. Once uh, that, you know, twenty in the 23rd hour when they made a decision that we could get up to Lismore, all of a sudden everyone just stepped up again. So, uh, you know, it, it's a real credit to them and it's a credit to everyone involved in the club, I think, uh, from our supporters who have, who have hung by us. And hopefully they get to see some some baseball this weekend, um, and and I'm looking forward to them getting to getting to witness what we've got. And look, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get wins, and no one's talking about whether we're we're a, you know a, a great team as such or a, or a weak team. But what what they what they keep on seeing and what they've probably been seeing on TV is uh, we never we never give up. Um, they, they just compete from the first pitch to the last pitch and yeah, it makes you pretty proud and I think it's uh, not only for this year I think it's, it's a great base for our future Performances across the weekend I, I suppose one of the big um, differences for my way of looking at it was um, the performance of the bats uh, hit a hell of a lot better this weekend than what they did no doubt they would have learnt plenty from that, that, that first series and just getting more, more time at the plate would have been crucial but uh, the performance in particular of Carlos Cortez, who we'll catch up with a little bit later for the podcast. Um, he was outstanding. Yeah, he, he, look, he certainly was. And, um, you know, every the reason these guys come out here, they've got things to work on. Um, Carlos, obviously, is a future big league hitter. Um, there's no doubt, doubt about that. He's out here to get more at-bats, and he's here to learn more of his craft. He's still only a young man. He's, he's there here to work... Uh, on a, on a number of positions, he's doing that. He's helping us out at second base. When we had an injury, he changes hands and uh, and helps us uh, defensively in the outfield. Uh, but um, mentally, he's he's got a bit a, a bit a lot tougher. Um, I think overall, we hit a lot. We were more selective with our pitches. We we got deeper into counts. Uh, we made guys earn their outs. We didn't go up free swinging. Uh, and Cortez, you know, up in um, up in Lismore, I think there was an occasion or two when he got what he thought was pretty ordinary uh, call of balls and strikes, and 
and it affected his next pitch. And uh, I know that's a thing that the Mets have been hoping he improves on. We spoke about it during the week. And and I think this week, especially against Moramando, he, he, he had a couple of uh, pitches he wouldn't have, wouldn't have particularly liked uh, uh, on where they were called. And he, he rode it off straight away and got back in for the next uh, at bat. And, and let's face it, I think Moramando owned him for the first five Five bats might have been close to five punch outs uh, over the two weeks, and and he toughed in. He got a crucial hit uh, in in game two for us um, by by just having that application and the never say die attitude. The performance of the uh, the pitching staff as well, fantastic. The ability to close out some games right across the weekend as well was the difference between um, you know the zero and four and a, and a, and a three and one result at the end of the at the end of the series. Matty Ray, in particular, was uh, was outstanding for the second series in a row. Yeah, I mean, to, to Matty Ray and uh, Wells and Mitchell, I think uh, three of them had to, had to come in in tougher situations uh, with runners on. Uh, got the job job done to to finish out a, an innings and and then went on with it. And I think at one stage, Matty had thrown three innings, uh, hadn't thrown a walk, and hadn't given a hit up and. Just uh, kept on getting us ground ball, fly ball, ground ball, fly ball. And, yeah, he had, he had a huge weekend. Tell us about the difference with, with Matty Ray this year. I suppose he's he's been around baseball in Sydney for, for quite a few years now. He's been um, grinding away in the ABL. But what has it been about his game this year? Yeah, look, without saying too much until the end of the year, I think his sequencing's a a little different than he than he did earlier and he had in earlier in his year, and I think that's been more effective. Um, yeah, I, I think it's for other clubs to learn that out. Um, and I, I, but but I just say he's he's a mature human being. He he dealt with a fair bit of anguish up there in Lismore. The Lismore out, outing was um, was pretty uh, was pretty special too. He lost his grandma that morning, um, and. Um, and it was, um, yeah, our granddad. Sorry, and it was pretty, it, it was pretty sad for him. Um, and um, and the way he handled it, the way his family, his family were up there on holidays, and they handled it well around him, and were a great support network for him. Uh, it was just, um, yeah, it, it was pretty special both outings. Mm. Another special outing in the weekend, game number number four with um, Shane Fogarty picking up his first W for the season. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, it's it's funny, isn't it? Uh, some of these guys get that opportunity at a later age to play at this level. You know, you'd remember Rosser a lot of years ago at thirty-seven or something. Or um, Fogarty's probably not that he's nowhere near that old. But um, look, we we need, especially on our park, we need guys who who throw stri- strikes, um, get in front of the count and dictate terms and um, and Fogarty's done that in club ball all his life, and he's now transitioned that into into the ABL, and no one's figured him out yet. And um, and let's hope that uh, it keeps on going. I mean, the quality of his he's two outings so far, uh, and his and his spotting of the ball has been fantastic. So um, I, I'm more than confident that he's going to uh, keep on doing just what he's been doing for the first two weeks. It, it's just. It's a nice thing, isn't it, to see, and uh, it's a nice thing for all all the guys who compete and try out there week in, week out to see. You know, sometimes you get that opportunity. Sometimes you can take it with both hands. And now the young bloke who was um, 
had a good performance on the weekend as well. Zach Shepard coming in to, uh, to close out that final game. Uh, started out his career when he when he signed with the Detroit Tigers a few years ago, now as a positional player and a hitter, now transitioning to a pitcher and uh, and getting some quality innings in with the Blue Sox. Yeah, um, look, he's a work in progress as a pitcher. He knows that. Uh, the Detroit um, Detroit signed him because they see something. They've, they've kept him on because they see something. And I, I know we all see something and we've got a lot of belief in him. I'd love it if he was a two-way guy and the and the Tigers let us do that. Obviously, uh, they've, got, they've got a fair bit invested in him uh, on the hill. Uh, but, um, yeah, when he... Uh, that outing on the weekend was was pretty special. He really dominated. Um, the last six hitters um, did not look like did not look like getting on base. Look, um, a great one to f- finally turn it around, get some wins under the belt. I know you like winning a hell of a lot better than you uh, you enjoy losing, mate. So that brings us to to this weekend. And as you mentioned from the top, the Blue Sox fans will finally get to see the uh, the boys back at uh, Blue Sox Stadium. Now, a few days ago, we were due to play the Adelaide Giants. They've been caught up in this fiasco and now home in Adelaide. Recording this on, uh, what are we, Tuesday afternoon? A couple of days out from the series starting. What can you tell us about where the uh, where the series is at at the moment? Yeah, look, I, I think the most likely scenario is we'll, we'll, um, we won't be playing Adelaide, but I think there'll be um, a series at home. It, it possibly could be Melbourne. It could be... You know Brisbane, but you know um, we. I'm sure we're going to be playing home this week, and um, maybe in the next 12 hours, government regulations will uh, will 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 make uh, decisions a little bit easier uh, from the various states. But uh, I'm, I'm whoever we play, we're going to be ready for a for a four game uh, four game series. Watch this space. Yeah, it's yeah. the world we're living in. Yeah. <laughs> um, Probably just a, a quick shout out in case uh, for, for to Connor McDonald. I know uh, poor old Connor copped a uh, copped a uh, ground ball come up and hit him on the on the middle finger uh, on Sunday, and unfortunately uh, it split him split him open pretty bad, and the and the result showed a um, a slight fracture, uh, which has ended his season. Uh, I know he's feeling pretty ordinary. He's a uh, for those who know him, he's a, a sensational person. He had his surgery yesterday that went well with a bit of um, plastic surgery around his um, his middle fingernail. Um, but um, you know, I'm sure from from everyone from the supporter base um, to the players around him, it's um, a, a real shame, and we wish him that wish that he's back to his best in the next uh, in the next month or so. Yeah, we certainly do. How much are, uh, are you and the players looking forward to getting back to Blacktown? This weekend, yeah. Look, I think we're we're excited. If it's if it's a Melbourne, uh, it, it, you know, I, I think we were really cranked up for the Adelaide series because you probably saw that a series win and not only not only see us uh, make the playoffs, but it see us probably jump in the third spot more than likely. Uh, and everyone was excited about that. Um, today, with that looking less likely, we're probably fighting more for a wild card. Uh, and a berth on Tuesday, Tuesday uh, night somewhere. Uh, so let's. Let, I think we'll we'll just focus on game one now. Let's get that out of the way and try and lock down lock down what we need to do. And uh, fingers crossed, we can get it done early in the series. As they say in the classics, mate, let's just take it one game at a time. Exactly. Win the next pitch.
win the next pitch. Mate, thanks so much for joining us on uh, on the podcast. Um, this will drop on Wednesday. I'll, God willing, fingers crossed, I'll see you at the ballpark on uh, on Thursday night. Okay. Uh, look forward to seeing you, Glenn. Thanks. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Bye-bye. Well, Carlos Cortez, welcome to Blue Sox Banter. Um, how are things in Sydney today? Good, good. Uh, nice day out. Been a couple nice days, except for the first couple <laughs> this past weekend in uh, Canberra. But yeah, it's been good so far. Tell me, it's um, it's been an interesting journey here uh, in Australia. You you came out here after being, I suppose, twelve months or almost twelve months without baseball. You uh, hoped to have plenty of it. All of a sudden, the season was shut down. Back on the diamond again. It's how have you handled the the whole roller coaster of um of not knowing whether you are or aren't going to play? Um, it's been tough, but like, just kind of like can't really control it. So it's just like, all right, like, just whenever I get my next opportunity, like I'm gonna be ready. But like, it's been tough, but you know, can't control it. So I didn't really didn't really get down on it, but. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it, it sucked for everyone. It sucked for the players, yeah. no doubt. It sucked for the coaching staff and also for the fans as well. But they're um, no doubt delighted to see you guys back on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. A tough one up in Lismore a couple of weeks ago. But uh, last weekend, it seemed to turn things around and it all seemed to click uh, down there in Canberra. Yeah, I think we just finally got some games under our belt and felt comfortable again. So kind of just did what we normally do. <laughs> and is, was that was – that, I suppose one of the, the tough things is just not having those reps in game situation. Yeah, you could you could tell that Canberra was they had been playing and you could tell like, oh, this is our first game in a month after not knowing if we were gonna play again. <laughs> For those people who haven't played a lot and certainly not at the level that, that you have, tell us about the difference between, you know, you guys were turning up the batting cages, I suppose, nearly every day to uh, to prepare for it. But but what is that difference between getting out there and, and getting reps in the cage and then and then turning it on in a in a live baseball situation? Yeah, it makes all the difference. Uh, the game's everything. You can't really like substitute the game for anything else. Like even live at bats, like it's just the game is just so different and seeing live live pitching inside the game, like with that adrenaline, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a lot different than, you know, just kind of going through the motions in the cages and stuff like that. What was the difference when you turned up in Canberra this week, I suppose for the mindset as much as anything, um, after having that one series under your belt, what, what was the mindset different or how was it different when you turned up at Canberra? I don't know if it was different, um, but I think we just, you know, we just executed um, came into the game and scored some runs early. I think we scored. We didn't score. Yeah, we scored early against um, or the first game. And then the second day we scored. I think we scored two early. And then the, the fourth game, I think we just kind of came at them. Yeah. Came at them early. I think we just we just really attacked early. And that was good. Makes it easier, I- at least. <laughs> Certainly does. You went down 8 4 in that first game uh, against Canberra Cavalry. After going 0 4 the weekend before, how tough was it for you guys to turn that around game two? What effectively was there with two double headers? How tough was it to turn that around? Um, I don't think anybody was really thinking about um, the previous game, the previous weekend. Um, just kind of 
we just we lost obviously a tough one but kind of came to that second game and just turned it on I, I don't really know if anybody was really thinking about it but yeah great weekend for you seven for 14 across the uh, across the weekend what uh, two for four game one one for four game two two from three in a home run game three and two from three in game four what do you put your uh, the hot bat down to this weekend or last weekend uh just getting my pitches and not missing them um yeah really we we had a lot of time in the cage to kind of prepare uh because of the rain delays so we had what two days of really good work in the in the cages and um yeah just really getting getting my pitches and not missing them and kind of taking advantage of the opportunities to run as in score position having a lot of time in batting cages throughout the summer here in australia has it given you a chance to work on anything in particular with your hitting at all this year um just continue to work on um work on what i usually work on um you know, staying in, staying inside of the ball, driving the ball the other way. Um, typical things that I usually work on, yeah. And it's something that um, that the Mets, when you came out here this year, did, did you work with their coaches um, with a plan to, to get to get specific things out of this season? Um, really getting at bats against left-handed pitching, which I'm getting a lot of right now. Yeah. But, yeah, that was, I think, one of the things they wanted. And playing second, getting reps at second. Um. Yeah, like making sure I'm in there against lefties all the time, and because I think last year I didn't really get that many at bats against lefties like a normal season would. Um, so they 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 harped on that like make sure you're in there against lefties like you know get your at bats because those are usually the toughest ones for me. <laughs> Tell us about with uh, we see a lot in baseball at all levels about the. The lefty lefty matchup. You see a left-handed hitter come up plenty of times. I throw a left a left-handed pitcher in. What is it about the the left-handed hitter against a left-handed uh, thrower? What 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 does it make it tough, or what makes it different from say a right hitter right-handed hitter right-handed pitcher? Um, so typically you're going to see a righty more often than not. Mm. So you see that so often it just becomes normal. You get the lefty in there, and it's like, all right, I haven't really seen a lefty that often. So you know, you don't pick it up as much. Um, it's coming from this angle out around you, and you don't see that often. So it's kind of it's different, and tend to open up or not really see the pitch away. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's it's tougher just just because you don't see it that often. You've had plenty of chances, as you said, in the last couple of weeks against left-handed hitters. Things are going all right for you. Yeah, I'm feeling feeling comfortable in there. Um, usually, it gets that way if I start seeing a bunch during the season um i usually start feeling better and more comfortable more confident in there um and staying in it longer if that makes sense let's go back carlos you're a young man who grew up in orlando florida where did baseball start for you <sighs> when i was three years old <laughs> yeah it was yeah a first, of a baseball yeah it's first sport i played i think but Played t-ball, picked up the bat. Like my dad, probably my dad's like he. I, I knew that you were going to be a baseball player, and that's what you wanted to do. And I, I believe your dad's been a, a really big influence in your in your life and your sporting career. He's been a, your hitting coach 
a lot of the time. Has he, um, has he had a chance to see what you've been doing down here? Oh, of course. Uh, we're dissecting my swing daily. Um, I'm sending him videos, and he's sending me screenshots back of what I need to tweak a little bit or what I did right, stuff like that. Um, yeah, Constant, we're constantly uh, working and critiquing my swing and comparing it to others like Barry Bonds. Probably had the best swing in the game ever. Comparing it to stuff like to guys like that, what I need to do a little bit better, stuff like that. Yeah. So you picked up the ball at um, at the age of three. You were a natural to the game. You loved the game. Tell us about that progression through high school, college ball, through to designing professionally. Um, I got let's see, little league. Um, I just I don't know. I just love the game. I always loved it. It's, it's been my number one. Played basketball for a little bit, but yeah, baseball's been been my number one. Got to high school, then I started like getting recognition for being like good, and I was like, oh, I, I could probably do so. I always knew I was going to play professional baseball and wanted to, but then it started become becoming a reality when I got to high school and, and started getting recognition. School started looking at me, and I was like, wow, I could actually do something, you know. So from really early on, this was going to be a career for you. Yeah, there's there's no other option. I have no other option. <laughs> what were you like at uh, at high school as a student? Um, I was really good, but my dad had to force it down my throat to be really good. I kind of got a little late. I would get lazy in school. Um, is baseball was your focus? I, yeah, I just I just wanted to play baseball. That's daydreaming about it all day. Like. <laughs> pretty bad but yeah i was lazy but i i ended up doing really good in school because of my dad <laughs> yeah he he helped push you in that uh, academic direction as well uh he didn't push it he forced it <laughs> there, no there's no question not coming home with a c like at all yeah yeah i suppose through going through high school through to college though it was important though that even if you're going to progress in, in a sporting path your grades are important as well. Tell us about yeah. how you manage that through your college time, managing that academic and also your sporting career as well. Um, at that point, it was just like being able to stay on the field, how like keeping the high enough, obviously GPA to stay on the field. And, you know, it was, it was more or less, it was more baseball in college, like trying to, trying to get to the next level, also trying to win in college as well. So I think, I think school kind of took second place in college, but yeah. In terms of big league ball, ball club interest, when and where did that start to, uh, to come about? Um, I think I was a, a sophomore in high school. I, um, there was a kid on our team. He, was, he threw pretty hard, and I was catching him at the time. I was catching <laughs> And um, so there were some scouts looking at him. He was probably like 90 to 95 in that range. So he had some attention. He was going to FAU, Florida Atlantic. And um, I had really good freshman year. He was on the team as well. I had really good freshman year, did pretty good my sophomore year. Started getting some recognitions from some scouts, like asking questions and stuff like that. And then my junior year came around. I was hitting in a cage, can't remember where, but there was a Padres scout there. He was 
he's a good friend now of our of our families now. Um, and he was watching. He's like, like writing down notes and stuff like that. I don't even know why he was there, honestly. And then he came and talked to me after, talked to my dad and um, said like, man, like you, you have elite bat to ball skills and stuff like that. And um, he wrote a report on me, sent it to scouting director and then got invited to a couple, um, I forgot what they were called. They just have, they have like high school guys around the area and college guys come out and work out with them. It's just like a yep. pro workout and you kind of yep. like hit whatever, do your defense and stuff like that. And they kind of and, assess what, um, where you're at and, and what level you're at and where you're likely, where you, what path is likely could be yours. Yeah, pretty much. And um, that's when I started getting pro recognition. So I'd probably say junior. Then I went into the summer of that year, did really good. I had already committed when I was – I committed the summer before that to South Carolina and went into that next summer, did really, really well. Uh, yeah, did really well. Senior came around, um, did pretty well too, but just never got the right number for uh, in the draft, so I just ended up not signing and going to school and uh, staying with my commitment. Yeah, so you are in fact potentially drafted twice in the, in the, in the big leagues. Uh, yeah, I was. I was drafted twice. <laughs> Tell us about, I suppose, the first time around. Um, the whole draft process is a little bit foreign to people in Australia. A lot of guys who end up playing pro ball in, uh, in America get, get signed on a, on a contract but don't go through that whole draft process. Tell us, coming out of college into – Pro Bowl ranks. Tell us about the process that uh, that gets you there and that whole the whole draft system. Um, the draft, really stressful day, honestly. But um, yeah, it's just more or less kind of like. So, are you talking to ball clubs beforehand? Are you is, is there some indication of where you could be going? Yeah, pretty much. They don't really ever say. There's yeah, they they don't ever come out and tell you like where you're going to go, like what they're going to do on that day because the day just it just goes haywire on the day so they talk to you see where they think you might be and kind of ask what is your number and then you give them kind of the basis around there and then they're like okay and then you play your season and then they talk to you weeks coming from the draft or weeks before the draft and you go, you kind of go back and forth more with the the agent than anything. So tell us but, when uh, you got you got drafted the first time. Why did you opt to go back to school? Why did you opt not to go straight into pro ball from there? Uh, they never reached the the dollar amount that I wanted. Yeah, any of the teams. Yeah, so so you backed yourself. Thought you'd go back to college, give yourself a, a season or two. Yep, yep. And I just said like, nope. Uh, I'll just go to school. It'll be all right. So it was a brave move. Yeah, it ended up working out. <laughs> yeah. So tell us when did uh, when did the Mets come come knocking again for the second time? Um, there always had been the interest there, and then um, I get a call on draft day, and they're just talking to me. There's a guy, John Updike, who was he was my area scout in high school. Really good guy, awesome guy. Um, 
he calls me. I'm in summer school, actually, in an Italian class. Calls me, and I was like, I told the teacher, like, I have to take this call. And she's like, okay, it's fine. And then calls me, we're talking, like, do you want to play second? I was like, I don't care. I'll just, I'll play wherever. It doesn't matter. He's like, okay, cool. Then we have practice that day because we're playing, we're playing Arkansas in the Super Regional that next weekend. So we have practice that day. Go to the locker room. And then, I, honestly, it was just, it was random. It was weird. Like, I, I didn't know if it was going to happen. Honestly, I didn't know. And then my buddy's, like, watching the live feed, and it's like, hey, man, you just got drafted. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, like, your name just came up. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And the agent calls, and he's like, yeah, they they picked your number, or they picked your name, and we'll see, we'll see what happens because then you got to go through the process of, negotiating and, you know, coming to an agreement, stuff like that. And come to the agreement, come to the agreement they did. Yes. Ended up coming to an agreement and here we are today. <laughs> A fascinating part of your story. And some people may have picked up on this here in Sydney already that um, you've been playing as a, as a right-handed second baseman as, as the majority of second basemen are, but you've played some first base and you've played some outfield as well. Yeah. You've been playing those positions as a left-hander. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, so uh, did you start it out as a left-hander? Um, so growing up, I played a lot of first base. Don't know why. I was That was probably my best position growing up. So, But I played it lefty because I was naturally left-handed. So you grew so, up as a as throwing and hitting left-handed? Yeah, I picked up the ball, I threw it left-handed, picked up the bat, swung left-handed. But – my motor skills are all righty, except for brushing my teeth. I'm like, it's weird. I'm weird. Like, <laughs> all my motor skills are righty, except for brushing my teeth. I eat righty, but I can eat with both hands. It's weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. So when you when you were scouted and when you were when you were drafted the first time, were you drafted as a as a left-handed outfielder? Yeah, I got drafted as a left fielder. You drafted as a left fielder who threw left-handed. Yeah. A couple of years later, they come and, uh, and draft you again. This time, you're a right-handed and second then, baseman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a, Pretty that weird, is, huh? It is a crazy story. <laughs> so where do you see yeah. – so we're seeing it here in Sydney. that you, You're playing second base as a right-hander. You, you play outfield as a left-hander, first mm-hmm. base as a left-hander. Where do you see yourself – heading if you're going to, to make that step into the the big leagues one day do you see yourself being in a, a left-handed outfielder or, or a right-handed second baseman i, I don't see, see myself being a, a utility guy just hitting and being a ute honestly yeah. <laughs> that's that's where i see it you know your strength has been in your hitting and we've seen that uh, firsthand here in sydney um that's that's the tool that's going to get you there you think yeah that's no doubt i'd I don't think it's going to be my defense that's going to get me there. To be honest with you, <laughs> or my speed, none of those, none of those tools. It's gonna, get, just gonna keep, keep uh, swinging a hot bat. Yeah, that's it. I'm planning on it, right? When you came here to Sydney uh, this year, what was it you mentioned about getting the reps in? I suppose that was really important, given you spent nearly 12 months on the sideline. What was it, I suppose, in total that you're really hoping to get out of the season here in Sydney? Um, so one in a lifetime experience, you know, going to a different country, you've always wanted to come here, but yeah, it's 
just a life experience of a lifetime and I got the opportunity I was like I like probably should go do this and and I kind of like a paid vacation too <laughs> so I was like yeah yeah you spent a bit more time on the sidelines and being able to explore Sydney and the surroundings than you um, yeah you probably would have thought you were going to as well yeah 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 but yeah I was like man this is this, this will be a good opportunity to come out here like I probably shouldn't pass this up so like Let's, let's take this one. Did you know much about Australia and, and much about Sydney before you got here? Not really. Kangaroos, obviously, you know, koalas, <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> and have you had a chance um, to see any koalas or kangaroos yet? No, I haven't. I, apparently, we, you should see a bunch in Lismore, but we didn't, we didn't get the chance. Mate, you'll, have to, you'll have to check this out before you, uh, before you go home in yeah. a few weeks' time. Tell us, what have you enjoyed beyond the baseball? What is it that you've enjoyed um, with your time here in Sydney? I don't know. Being in a different country and just knowing the beaches are really nice. Um, but also the the team has been phenomenal, just kind of accepting us in all the imports, especially like just the team making new friends in a different yeah. country. Like you can't, many people can't say that. And I made like 20 new friends in this country. <laughs> Who's the uh, who are the one or two players that have really taken you under their wing and looked after you this season? Um, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot. Like you got Eunice, Michael Campbell, Mac, Howie. There's a bunch of guys that you just they're just really great guys and um, kind of just accepted that us, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You've um a few more games to go before you head back overseas back to america mm-hmm. still i suppose a lot of things up in the air with covid in america at the moment do you know what's happening with baseball when you get back to the states no clue no clue Not a clue. what do you uh have you been in contact with the mets what have they been telling you they're just saying hold tight all right i'm ready i'll be ready when my name is called another season of holding tight and getting ready yeah right <laughs> it must be frustrating when your whole Career, profession, livelihood is based around uh, is based around a game you can't play. Yeah, no, it is. But um, like I said, like you can't. Those are things you can't control. So I just I don't really let it get to me. I just kind of um, just prepare. The only thing I control is my preparation and being ready. So that's all I can do. That's all you can do. Yeah, baseball is a game that's given all of us so much those of us who've grown up at whatever level we've played or been part of i'd like to ask each of my guests one question before we finish is what is your greatest moment in baseball now that could be as a player it could be as a spectator it could be as a coach it could be winning a world series it could be watching someone play but what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think what's your greatest moment in baseball so in 2018 we're playing at home against Missouri, 0-0 ball game on Mother's Day. I come up, lead off the inning, first pitch, hit a walk-off home run in front of my mom on Mother's Day. That's pretty special. And that was my last at-bat in Carolina Stadium, or Founders Park, sorry, um, ever. Did you, uh, did you spot your mom as you went around the bases? I, yeah. No, I don't, I don't think so. I almost, I almost threw my helmet into the stands. I was going crazy. Yeah. 
it was it was ridiculous. But gave her a hug. She was crying. <laughs> it was greatest moment of my life so far. Well, Carlos, we um, it's great have great having you here in Sydney, being part of the Blue Sox setup. As we said, a few more games to go. Fingers crossed, we get plenty more baseball in the park in the next couple of weeks. All yeah. the best for it, and uh, we do wish you all the best when you head back to the states. Thank you. I appreciate. It. Thank you for having me on. A big thanks to Bucket and also to Carlos for joining us on the podcast. Well, more baseball to come this weekend. As we sit at the top of the show, though, who will that be? Of course, the Adelaide uh, Giants have been caught up in this COVID mess. They're st- still at home in Adelaide. They won't be travelling to Sydney this weekend. This podcast coming out on Wednesday morning. We will find out sometime today who the Sydney Blue Sox will be uh, playing. But we do know the uh, boys will be home Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Make sure you get your tickets sydneybluesox.com.au to secure your seat at Blue Sox Stadium. And for everything you need to know about the ball club, about this upcoming series, and well, everything you need to know, follow us on our socials, Sydney Blue or at Sydney Blue Sox, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Once again, thanks to Carlos and Bucket. Thank you once again for listening. This is Blue Sox Banter. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Blue Sox Banter is a Karis Communications production hosted by me, Glenn Hawke, for the Sydney Blue Sox.